What's up, everybody? My name's Athena, and you're listening to Banished in the Valley. And we're here for this little rando episode because I came across this vanishing of a brother and sister. Um, it happened, like, way back when. September 4th, 1978 was the last time they were ever seen. But that's like, I don't know, it's just a really weird story, and I thought about it over the years, so I figured I should just tell you guys about it. So, Scott and Amy, that's the brother and sister. The brother was 13 at the time of his disappearance, and the sister was 8. So, an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old. But this is 1978, so that's probably like age equivalent of a 26-year-old now. Anyway, (laughs) they live with their mom in this rural ass town in Alaska called Sterling and apparently it was like rurally located even for Sterling's I guess standards or whatever but just check this out there's I don't know I don't even have suspects like usually I fucking have decided who did it the first 10 minutes after learning about something but to this day I don't know I just let me tell you the story I guess so they're all at this cabin in the woods the brother and sister, Amy and Scott, and their mom. And apparently the mom's sister is like flying into Alaska that night. So they decide to go out and they go to a bar. It's like a bar restaurant thing. And apparently they stay there until around 10 o'clock. The kids, I guess there was like a little arcade or something for them to go like not be annoying. And so the adults could have some drinking time. So about 10 o'clock, the mom and auntie decide to drive Scott and Amy back to that little cabin and you know they wanted to go back out drinking so they tell the kids see ya see ya wouldn't want to be ya and that's the last time the mom and the aunt see those children ever again so they go back out to the restaurant after dropping the kids off and this all this next part is like kind of like guessing and putting the story together And I'm getting a lot of my information from The Charlie Project. Go check them out. You can donate money if you want to. It's super easy. They have it like right there on the front page. Up top, Charlie Project. But no, they have a lot of information. I fucking like use it to like supplement a lot of my missing people's cases. Because sometimes there's just like no information out there. But it's a cool website. It's been around for a while. Go check it out if you want. So anyways... This is what's kind of put together, I think, by the detectives. Around 11.45, a neighbor says they drive by the house and the lights are still on at this point. So we know at that point we're thinking everything is good. The, The detectives were able to find out a little bit later that the kids actually went to a neighbor's house. Well, they're calling it a hut. I don't know why they're calling it a hut, but we'll just say another cabin or something. So apparently the kids go to this neighbor's place. They play with their kids there until those parents get annoyed and say, get the fuck home. They go back to their house and the way the house was found were all the lights were off and there was food that was about to be prepared, like sitting on a counter, just sitting there. Like a can of tomatoes was opened and there was water on the stove that was still warm. So I don't know. That's, that's all the information they have. They say that, uh... They had to have been alive at 1145, but we don't really know what happened. There is one report from another random, uh, I think it was like a neighbor or something. And they gave the police a description of a car that they thought they had seen in that area that night. 
and the police actually were able to track down that car. There was a trooper sergeant, Tom Cerny, who was able to talk to a witness that said they had seen a black sedan speed away from the road in front of the Fandles cabin that night. And the troopers, somehow they were actually able to fucking pin this person down. Uh, They learned the car actually belonged to two carnivore workers from the East Coast that had visited in the area they lived in Alaska. And apparently the kid's mom had allowed these two people just to like sleep at her house for the night. And I don't know, I think the police felt like, you know, this could be something. They've been in the house. They're kind of known to the children. But somehow these two carnival workers were able to prove that they had the dates wrong. And, you know, I think the the carnival workers are like, no, we weren't there on the 5th. That's when the whole little kidnapping happened. They say they were actually in town on the 6th. And I don't know, that lead just dries up there. So... I was going to accuse someone I mean obviously the carnival workers (laughs) the fucking carnies did it but I don't know apparently the police don't think that there was a slight delay in reporting this whole kidnapping disappearance vanishing situation because apparently Margaret that's the mom she came home with her sister and they passed out it's like three o'clock in the morning and I she says she assumed the children had just like spent the night at the neighbor's house The next morning is when she finds out something. I think it's actually the next afternoon. She finds out, you know, something's not right. Her kid's not in school. And her boss was a super dick. Wouldn't let her leave. Made her fucking finish her, like, waitressing gig instead of going to go look for her children. But whatever. So she actually doesn't even report them to the state troopers until 5.30, 5.40, something like that, the next day. So that's... Jeez, that's like, what, 18 hours? That's an eternity for, like, missing people, vanishings, kidnappings, whatever the fuck happened. Who knows? One of the uh, former investigators on the case, it was another Alaska state trooper, said they basically, like, chased down quirks and spiderweb leads, but never got any closer to finding the children. Now, I don't know if it's a cold case. I know it's not a solved case, but it probably is a cold case. I don't know. I'm trying to find that out and maybe uh, I'll update you if I find out more stuff about this crazy disappearance. So you may be wondering, where is the dad in all of this? Because they, he's gone. He lives in Arizona at this point in life. And he actually did fly into Alaska like that weekend so he could help in the search for his kids. The Alaska State Troopers said he remained kind of a suspect for many, many years, but there was never any evidence against him, and he was able to prove he was in Arizona. That's, you know, way the fuck out there. Um, There's, like, little conspiracies, like, did he hire someone to come get the kids, or, you know, did something... A lot of people suspected him. So he basically lived under suspicion for a hell of years, and kids are still gone this was 1978 and around you know that time the 70s and the 80s there was an oil boom going on in Alaska there was oil there was construction and apparently the bars out in the Kenai Peninsula they're described as being awash with dodgy individuals (laughs) I kind of like that um but anyways that the troopers just say because of this time, there's, you know, a lot more people than normal in town. They're of shady 
fucking reputation. So they just kind of see that as throwing more suspects into the mix. But nothing ever came of it. There was just like no evidence or I guess maybe no evidence collected. I don't know. Maybe if they would have like swabbed the tomato can, maybe you could find some DNA on it. But I doubt that exists. So that kind of sucks. I don't think we'll ever get any answers in this case. Unless some poor fucking hunter or hiker or jogger fucking stumbles upon the fucking bones that have been dug up by animals. So, I don't know. I I had to look up Sterling, Alaska because I was not familiar, like, even, like, geographically where it is on the map. It's a little southeastern, maybe 100, 200 miles, maybe, from Anchorage. So, I mean, it's 1978, though, and... I don't know, when I was there in 2012, certain areas were just seemed like, I don't know, not necessarily out of touch, but like disconnected. Um, and there's so few people. In 1978, it just had to be even fewer people. So I just can't imagine living in fucking Alaska before like, I don't know, heated fucking bathroom floors. I don't know. It's fucking cold. <laughs> not down with that cold bullshit, but it is beautiful. It is a pretty cool state, so if you guys ever have a chance, go check it out. It's like a totally different world. So as I was like searching around the internet trying to find all this information, of course I come across Reddit, and all the people there seem to like think the story of the mom was a little off, because what she told the police is she came home, there was, you know, water boiling on the stove for the macaroni that was set out, And there was a can of open tomatoes. And she says she doesn't see the kids. She doesn't think it's weird the stove is on with boiling water. And she just goes to bed. Um, She got back around 3 o'clock in the morning. So maybe she's like super sloshed. And in that whole inebriated state, that seems normal. Because it really is kind of fucking weird. You come home, your kids are gone. There's fucking water boiling. And you just go to bed. Like, oh, fuck it. They're with the neighbors. So, I don't know. Really, anything could have happened. They're in a fucking cabin in the woods in Alaska in 1978. Oh, and did I... I think I forgot to tell you guys. The fucking front door doesn't lock. Apparently, like, it broke. The the cabin now is burned down. So, you can't even, like, see it anymore. But apparently, the door lock was broken. I don't know. And then I keep coming back to the fact that the mom let fucking carnies spend the night there. There's just so many options. So many options. I just pick your fucking horror, I guess. And this is Alaska. So, just check this out. Proportional to its population, Alaska is, without the most popular state among serial killers with 15.65 serial killers per 1 million inhabitants. A total of 51 serial murders took place in Alaska between 1990 and 2014, with more than half of those occurring between 1980 and 1990. Uh, fuck, dude, right? Alaska, what's going on there? What's so... You know what? It's like It has to do with the woods, I think. Maybe the fucking cold and the isolation is just, like, pushing these motherfuckers over the edge because... I think Alaska actually has, like, the highest rapes of any state there. And what's, like, the Alaska population? Like, like less than a million? Or a million? A hundred thousand? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. But, uh, I don't know. What's going on? Fucking Alaska and Washington. Get your shit together over there. And while we're talking about Alaskan serial killers, 
I have to say, Israel Keys is like the most scary motherfucker I've ever come. Like, dude, you guys have to listen to this podcast. It's called True Crime Bullshit. And I totally forget the guy's name. Hold on. Let me get it. I'm not going to be a dick. Uh, Josh Hallmark. So he fucking sits down over hours and hours of footage of Israel Keys being interviewed by these fucking FBI agents. And he's drinking an Americano, which, hey, that's my drink. But I'm sure he had his black because serial killers literally just fucking drink black coffee like that. That's like your number one fucking clue to run from someone. They fucking don't put sugar or cream or sweetener or something in their coffee. Get the fuck away from them or ask them if they're a cop. Those serial killers and cops, they love that shit. So he's just fucking scary. The way he just described, he calls it by taking people when he fucking breaks into their house and forces them at a gunpoint and then goes and rapes and murders them. The FBI, like, they don't even know how many victims this guy has. He would, like, he had no victim profile. He just kind of, like, would go bury random kill kids across the country. So, you know, five years later, two years later, he could come back to these little buckets, dig them up. There'd be a weapon. There'd be cash, disguises, you know, just stuff he would need. He was just a psychopath. And, of course, he had a girlfriend and a daughter and a normal fucking life, and nobody had no goddamn idea but Israel Keys, yeah, that one gives me nightmares. Or go listen to that podcast, uh, True Crime Bullshit by Josh Hallmark. It's definitely worth it. Jeez, okay, back to Amy and Scott. I don't know how we got so sidetracked again. But let me just give you some information. If you happen to maybe know anything about this, you can call Alaska State Troopers at area code 907-262-4453. Or... You can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or you can go on the Instagram or Facebook and let me know there. What what happened to these kids? How did they just vanish into fucking thin air? And there's just, there's too many suspects. It's the fucking woods. That's the first suspect. Bears, I don't fucking know. The carnies or drunk ass mom. There's just, I don't know. It's Alaska. If you fucking, it's hostile if you are not watching out what you're doing. So, apparently, like, the whole town blamed the mom for the children's disappearance. She was kind of ostracized and ended up moving back to the Midwest. So, that's it. Nobody really talks about it. It's just one of the many thousands of fucking cases of missing persons over here that just vanish into thin air, never to be seen again. Alaska seems to have a problem with missing people, too. Since the authorities began keeping records in 1988, 60,700 people have been reported missing in Alaska. That's five people reported missing every year per 1,000 residents. Each year, average of 2,250 people disappear in Alaska. Twice the national average. I mean, I get a lot of it could be like misadventures in the fucking treacherous-ass wilderness out there, but still, like... Alaska's population, like we were talking about earlier, it's 731,545 people as of last year. I know you guys were totally dying to know that, but okay, we got to talk about this fucking show Cuties on Netflix. Just for a second, I swear it's going to be a short rant. Okay, so if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Netflix has this fucking like pedo dance fucking troupe of 11-year-old girls, uh... 
it's a French film, so I don't know. I think maybe they thought, oh, it's in French. Maybe they won't fucking watch it. They won't know what it is. But no, people are fucking seeing what it is. It, a fucking 11-year-old girl puts a condom in her mouth. They're fucking masturbating. and It's just fucking 11-year-old girls. They're sexualizing the fuck out of 11-year-old girls. And people don't seem to get this. I fucking literally had a girl come to the Insta. Oh, God, here we go. Instagram story. But no, I had this girl come to the petition. I just like basically reposted it. It says, call Netflix 1-866-579-7172 to demand they cancel cuties. And that's all it is. That's all it says. And this fucking girl comes out of nowhere and says, I'd watch that first if I were you. The advertising doesn't match the story. I'm like, are you fucking serious, girly? Have you seen it? Did you see the 11-year-old girl stick a fucking condom that she found from the ground by some fucking riverbank into her mouth? What about the crotch shots? What about the fucking, this is basically soft kitty porn and we're handing it to pedophiles on a fucking silver platter? I'm like, none of that shit bothered you the way there was ass shots and crotch shots on 11-year-old girls? She's like, well, of course it's bothersome, but it's not promoting pedophilia. So apparently that's what the other side in this debate thinks, that it's actually not promoting pedophilia. It's just trying to get people to be aware of it. I'm like, bitch, is there anyone anywhere that's not aware that fucking child sexual abuse is happening everywhere, all works of life, from poor ass people to the middle class to the so-called elite? But this film, this, the show, movie, whatever, Cuties, actually won Best Director Award world's cinematic drama from the Sundance Film Festival. Well, check this out. One of the guys who throws in the vote for that, the co-founder of Sundance, Sterling Van, he's actually just got sentenced for child sex abuse. He fucking molested two little girls between the ages of seven and nine, and he was sentenced to six years to life in prison after pleading guilty to sexually abusing the child. So he and Robert Redford co-founded the Sundance Film Festival, but this guy just went down. But he was voting for Cuties to win Best Director. Does nobody fucking see a connection here? The mainstream media doesn't talk about it. So yeah, there's some fucking nasty shit going on behind this. A pedophile picked it to win a fucking award, so it gave it prestige. And that shit's been blasted around to everybody's house now through Netflix. What the fuck? Apparently, the attorney general, some shit like that, is looking into fucking getting Netflix to take it off. But I don't know. I don't know if they can actually do that. But just fucking look at Just connect the dots. The fucking man that... Oh, whatever. I'm not connecting dots. We're not going into a fucking... <laughs> We're not going down that rabbit hole. Let's stop. Okay. I guess I should have just let you guys know. Instagram has been fucking with my uh, account there. So... I don't know. It, apparently, like, they're shadow banning some of my posts and removing some of my posts. So, I don't know if they're going to fucking exile me soon from that platform or what. But I'm not even fucking acting crazy. I'm just putting the headlines that are there in the news already on Instagram. And I guess somebody there is offended. Because, yeah, my posts have been shadow banned. And uh, <laughs> they're getting taken down. And it's like, fuck. I didn't even do anything. I'm not even queuing on. I'm just fucking spreading the word about missing people and pulling up funny conspiracy theories or, you know, I, I don't know. I guess you can't do that now on uh, any of these type of platforms. 
But I'll always be, you know, here at VanishedInTheValley.com or I guess the Facebook. They haven't exiled me there yet, but I don't know. I've said it before. I'm not really on Facebook a lot because I don't have it on my phone. But if you go there, there is this little Vanished Crew group page where you can talk about the cases or other cases, just what's going on. So go check that out. Come become a member. Say hi. Say what's up, especially if I lose the Instagram. But we'll see. Who fucking knows? I keep having to say, don't cancel me. I'm not queuing on, but I don't think they believe me for some reason. So a little while ago, a couple of weeks maybe, I was talking about the quote-unquote pro-pedophilia California law, which is SB 145. Oh my God, you guys. Literally everybody has so much misinformation about it. Like if you actually look up the law and read it, it's not some fucking thing where they're like putting a target on kids. Check this out. This bill would exempt from mandatory registration under the act a person convicted of certain offenses involving minors if the person is not more than 10 years older than the minor and if that offense is only one requiring the person to register. So a 10-year gap. I know it kind of gets fucking weird if you're talking about like a 14-year-old and 24-year-old. But this is just giving judges leeway that they don't automatically have to make certain types of sex a felony you know lifetime sex registration thing in California and people think it's like pro pedophilia but I don't know I don't see it that way at all I just see it as they're treating all types of sex all types of people the same under the law go look it up it's a bill SB 145 read the details there's yeah it's not as bad and crazy as people are fucking making it out to be on social media so look into it before you fucking read a meme or some shit and decide you know that's all the research you need to do killing me guys killing me I think that's about it but before I go I just have to say what's up in Estevan Canada hey guys thank you for the downloads I fucking see you and I appreciate it hope all is well uh who else do we got here we have Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, and Montreal. Hey, guys, thank you for the downloads. I totally appreciate it. Come say hi on the Instagram or the Facebook. And I can't forget to say hi to the two Patreons we have going on that made this little episode possible. Thank you at Tukey Jr. and Garrett. I definitely appreciate it. It's fucking well-deserved. No, I'm just joking. But no, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you have any people missing or, you know, a situation you want me to look into, send me an email and we'll see what's up and maybe we can get it going. Thank you guys. And as always, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao. Are you lost?